So yeah, we are now uh, recording. Cool. So uh, how are you doing today, Rachel? Uh, I'm still waking up. <laughs> you know, I'm earlier than you are. Hey, my, my, my phone is awake. I forgot to turn it off. There you go. It won't bug us anymore. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So you got any, any cool projects, any, any cool things going on this week? I am actually going to go to a conference next week in Florida. Um, it's called Driven. It's for people that aspire to have a business. So we'll see how that's going to turn out. I'll tell you guys all about it. Um, <clears throat> now, I did uh, run into an accessibility issue, a physical one. Um, <clears throat> the hotel, you know, it's uh, shoved inside the airport which is very convenient, especially for sighted people traveling from other places. You don't have to bother to take a sh shuttle and go to your hotel, blah, 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 rent a car. But um, unfortunately, it's kind of weird because it doesn't have grassy areas for the dog. And they don't have a pet relief area in the hotel itself, either on the, um, on the back of the hotel. So if I want to take the dog out, I'm going to have to go to a different level and sort of cross the whole um, luggage area from what I've been told. Don't quote me in it yet because I don't know. But to go to the hotel pet relief and imagine doing this four, six times a day. Um, yeah, I don't think my 15-minute breaks will do it. And plus, dogs hate the whole noise of the air, airplanes going by. So I have made a decision to not take my doggy this time around. But I think it's a, I don't know, I think it's an issue. I think the hotel should have also its own little pet relief area. I am a slow morning riser, like very slow, very you casual. Are? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you were always super awake at work. Well, that's because I get up early and I slowly bring myself into the day. And having a dog and a dog mm -hmm. that wants to go outside at our house, we happen to have a, a nice fenced in backyard and we even have a dog door. We can just let the dog out. The idea of having to deal with the dog in the morning sounds just terrible to me. <laughs> having to like get up because then you got to get somewhat dressed because you got to walk like a huge distance through the hotel to find a place to relieve your dog that just sounds that sounds horrible to me <laughs> it's not that terrible i mean i usually take i call it doggy um you know doggy walk clothes and it's usually a sweatshirt and a sweatpants that I can throw in top of my PGs <laughs> and tennis shoes. So usually uh, I get up, uh, they eat first, and then I take them out. And usually, and that usually takes about 20 minutes, you know, the whole trailing out and letting them go run around a bit and then come back. So yeah, when I'm in conferences, I usually have to get up about an hour earlier just to, you know, an hour earlier than I usually would without a dog just to to get the dog out, to have enough time to come back and kind of get myself like situated and all that. But but mo most most times it's not too difficult. Like uh, in North Carolina, I stayed in, a, I think, at Sheraton. And, uh, you know, 
I was on the ground floor, so there was a back door and the and the back of the ground floor and and that had a dressy area and had trash cans and everything and and that was I could get the whole thing done like I could get there in five minutes from my room and come back in five minutes and and give the doggy like 10 to 15 minutes to hang around and yeah it was perfect so it yeah it is a little more inconvenient because I do have a backyard and I open the door and they go and uh, so I have to psychologically prepare myself, but yeah, like treading through, uh, baggage claim every day. And no, I don't think that not, not just every day, but several times a day where people come and shove their bags on your dog and yourself. Like this past week, this girl shoved her ba- bike on top of my dog. And then she told me, I'm sorry, I was trying to break so hard. And I was like, uh, yeah, how about using your voice? But anyway, yeah, that's the what's going on next week. We'll we'll continue the saga and let you know how did it go. So I need to uh, I need to talk to the audience for a moment here. Uh, I need to explain something uh, that's just going through my head as we've been talking here. And uh, I like this little talk we're having. We should we should continue it here in a moment but well right before we started i i suggested that we do uh what i referred to and i've heard a couple of you referred to as a cold open so we just kind of jump into the podcast and we have a little chat and i think we should continue the chat here but i had to admit something uh so far uh i think i hate it because we're like five minutes in we haven't said the name of the podcast i'm getting stressed out because the theme music hasn't played and i'm thinking is the audience like what's going on well this is so weird <laughs> and i didn't tell them what was happening and i am literally stressed out but i do want to admit something there was a reason why i suggested a cold open is that i was listening to the episode last week and we did the theme music and i did the introduction we were talking about the uh, the era glasses or ara i i didn't even look up the name and i feel really silly about that are you sure the, the name of the glasses these are the glasses with the camera that you talked to the operator we talked about it last week yeah so like i said some people say ira and some people say era i hear more ira than era but who knows but anyways uh the reason why i suggested the cold open as i was listening to that particular episode and i did a little introduction right before uh i handed it off to you to talk about it and i listened back to it and i sound crazy in this introduction because i used the wrong words because i got myself <laughs> like psyched up to do this introduction and i think i was trying too hard and i literally say like I think the glasses, use the glasses to operate the blind, I think is what I said. I, like <laughs> I did not notice that. How did I miss that? I could have made so much fun of you. That would have been fun. So I thought, uh-huh. y- you know what will be better? <laughs> I'm going to take the pressure down. We're going to do a cold open. There's no pressure to get like the perfect intro. And then as we're doing this here, I... You're just like, like, I hate it. <laughs> I hate this. I do like this conversation. I do like this more casual this more less prepared kind of build up to the uh, to the podcast but the fact that we haven't played the theme music so and then okay, also the, the audience the theme music. yeah Come the on. audience doesn't know this i'm gonna this is full disclosure right now is that uh previously we've been doing the podcast i have a little soundboard program uh farago which i'm not even sure if i'm saying that name right uh, uh but it's this software program that uh, allows me to like load up different 
songs or sound effects. And I usually have that from my computer plugged into my little sound mixer. And I use the Onyx Blackjack for people who really like to know equipment. I usually have my computer plugged in, a laptop plugged in with this software so I can play the theme music. And I don't have it set up. So when I say we're going to play the theme music, you and me, we're essentially pretending that the music is playing, but it's actually not playing right now. And so I just want to be like full disclosure, full transparency. We're going to do the introduction right now. You're going to hear the theme music. We're not going to hear the theme music in our headphones right now. Uh, But that's just how professional we are, right? (laughs) Hey, okay. Before the theme music and we go on, I think that there's more than one type of audience. And audience, in my experience, they're forgiving. And you know what? It's like being friends. We don't always know what your friends is going to do. <laughs> and my main point is this, this little setup might be a little weird. And it might be a, a very different play on a normal format. But I'm having fun. And I think maybe the audience will appreciate that. Yeah, step out of your comfort zone, Jonathan. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna Just we're gonna wing it. <laughs> so let's play the let's play the theme music for the audience, and I'll just okay. play it in my head. All right. Hey, everybody! Welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast. I'm Jonathan, and I'm Rachel. See, don't you feel so much better? <laughs> I feel better. I'll be honest, that was not nearly as satisfying as I thought it would be for me. Hey, it's all about experience. You know, I think the audience doesn't know, but I belong to Toastmasters International, which is an organization for uh, developing your public speaking skills. Although I'm not doing a good job last week, I did pretty bad. I had a whole outline I got out of it. And yeah, I probably sounded, I don't know if I sounded crazy, but I didn't sound too intelligent um, and or informed on my topic. Uh, but I think the, uh, you know, this whole thing, it's, it's, it's important to just experience and we just experience a cold and you can tell us what you think. If you had fun, write us at feedback at access.ninja and tell us if you had fun. And if you totally hate it, you can tell us too. And we'll keep working at it. I want to latch on to something about the Toastmasters here just, just for a moment. And we won't go into, I don't have to go into big details about it, but it just made me think of a topic that might be worth mentioning is that when, uh, when you you made it into is it the finals at Toastmasters, like the tournament or what do you, what do you call it? Oh, the competition yeah, the contest. Contest. Speech contest. Yes. So you made it in the speech contest, and there's like a guideline or a set of like rules, or because you have these different challenges, right? Correct. And in order to find out, you know what what you need to do, they send you a PDF document. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> yes. And the one thing I thought was really interesting about this is they sent you a, a, a protected PDF file. So it's one that you can't copy and paste out of. You can't print. Uh, but the document can be read with the screen reader. But it's like a really long. It was like a 35 page. It was really uh, long. No, no, it was a 90 page. Oh, 90 pages. I was off yeah. by. 
Oh, yeah, you like just it. had a yeah. third. <laughs> just a third of it. And one of the challenges, because you can't copy and paste, you cannot copy and paste the content out of the and document. And you cannot print either. And you cannot print it, is that for me, I like as a sighted person, I can this PDF's got a table of contents. And I can skim through it. And I can look through the table of contents and I can move through the different sections of it. I can click on different sections. So if I want to jump and review a certain section, I can jump all around this document really easily. But that's not the case for you. Correct. Yeah, and maybe we should even bring that out. I was going to do a um, <clears throat> a post on it, and, and I will. <laughs> I'm not very good at writing. Jonathan is the chief writer here. Um, but the... Um, so I, I talked to some other blind uh, Toastmasters, and a lot of them use something called QReader, and I think it's a PDF reader for Windows that works great with JAWS or in NVDA, and it was developed by a blind guy. Uh, I want to try to find who he was, and um, or he is, so he could come into our show. But um, it's beautiful because they can, just like sighted people, get that, you know, PDF and and mark bookmark and and you know and, and and navigate and come back to exactly what they want, but unfortunately that doesn't work for Mac users and I'm a full time Mac user, and uh, it's kind of sad because then that means every time I open I have to get back in the top of the page I have to sort of memorize I can't move page to page but I have to memorize wherever each content is, what page it is. So I have to make my own kind of side of content, table of contents on the side. So then if I want to go to project five, then I go to the exact page and then I can start reading, but I can copy and paste. And then one of the things is that in those projects, there's something called evaluation. So if I'm evaluating somebody on that same project, right? I mean, I have to read and I have to like to be able to to enter all that info, but I can't copy paste. Remember, so uh, it's it's very taxing. And uh, and and for you all out there, if you are a consultant and accessibility, and you turn around and use Adobe accessibility tools, and you say the PDFs are fully accessible, please don't. I mean. If you don't have to use it, it just reading doesn't mean learning because it's reading is not it's not just about reading from top to bottom. When you're learning, any sighted person, when they're reading a paper or book, you know, you can fold uh, the corner of the page or you highlight or you do, you know, you take notes, you put a bookmark. But literally, this is a digital document where I can't do any of that. And and that's usually true for any PDF that is fully protected. Now, I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but you, you mentioned a specific PDF reader that the Windows users was using, which I think you said was QReader or something like that. Correct. Do you know if that's Q-U-E or C-U-E? Or oh, like I that? do not know. <laughs> okay. I can look it up here. but <laughs> Yeah, we'll put, we'll put it in the podcast notes. We'll yeah, we'll find notes. out because I do not use, but a blind uh, lady told me about it. Yeah, so and and we don't have to go into exactly how it made it work, but we had to find a a cre- I helped you find a creative workaround uh, that made it easier for you to get in and and work with the document. <laughs> it has a very very creative workaround, but uh, 
it's 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 functioning perfect and uh and and unfortunately you know it's it's not the fault of the organizations it's really around is the fault of the people that consult for them and tell them that pdfs are okay for learning and we need to stop this pdf learning thing because yes it is it does work for sighted people like jonathan said he can click on his uh, table of contents and he can easily go back and forth and sure we have a search um function but here's what happens when you're doing a search on a page i mean on a 90 page book or on a 100 page paper it takes a long time for that search to happen and and, and many times, if you don't know a very specific word, you might hit that word a gazillion times. And how do you know is the thing that you want? It's it, it's not good for learning, believe me. I also want to apologize to the audience a little bit here for not giving you the exact solution that we used. It's sort of a backdoor, kind of sneaky, not really easily recreatable, platform-specific solution that uh, I'm somewhat afraid that if, if we announced what it was that the door might get closed on that. So, yeah. So if you need, <laughs> you'll contact us, but I will say one word that might help you out. It's called KNFB reader. So there you go. Because a lot of our blind users would have KNFB reader, but it's not always foolproof. So yeah, I was just, that's a PDF aspect because we, at State Services for the Blind, where I am, we make a lot of accessible PDF documents, but we also provide almost all those same documents in a text format. Like, uh, I think provide a Word version of it or just a plain text version of it because we're not as worried about people duplicating the content. We just want to make sure people can access it. And these accessible PDFs, if they've got protections on them, it really does remove a lot of the tools that a person with a screen reader is going to use to get the most out of that document. And I don't think people know about that. I don't think people who are creating these documents with the best of intentions know that this is a barrier. Well, and I, you know, I think we have to understand, right? Every time you have intellectual, uh, intellectual property, which is any Body that publishes something like a publisher or a Toastmaster or any learning uh, organization, right? You, you, I understand you don't want your intellectual property being taken out by people that, you know, that, that doesn't have any scruples, right? But when you have uh, special PDFs for specifically for buying people, because let's clarify in Toastmasters, you're not allowed to have PDFs unless if you are visually impaired, right? If you're sighted, you buy the physical book. Um, they have to understand that protected PDFs on that manner, it's not really useful for blind people. And that has happened to me in school also when, you know, certain publishers send you the PDF or the book because they will do that too. But it's, again, it's not, it, it doesn't work. And I understand you're trying to protect your intellectual property, but there is something called a chef amendment, a Schaefer amendment, which uh, any blind person in the U.S. has the right to, you know, like scan, print, reproduce, edit, so that they can actually uh, get access 
to the information. And so we're not doing anything illegal by when we transform a PDF into a text. As long as we're not distributing, uh, you know, or sharing or doing anything that is not for your own uh, personal learning use. And, and, and that's what it is. I mean, right, you buy a book for you to learn. And I think that that's the problem here is that they're trying to protect so bad people that just wants to learn and, and, you know, just make sure that there are those safe fails or, or, or create an HTML version, right? And protect it inside of a website. I mean, everybody can do that. I mean, if you, if you have some kind of membership inside of a website, you can protect all your info in there. So, I mean, I, I really don't get why, why this becomes a problem. Specifically with text, too, because any text that you intend someone to read, whether it's with a screen reader or with their eyes, I can copy that. I can open a book, open up a word processor on my computer, type, I type about 40 to 50 words per minute, depending on how awake I am. Uh, I can copy your book. It doesn't matter what you do to your PDF. It doesn't matter what you do to the web page. If it's text that someone's consuming and I want to duplicate it, I can just retype it. So who are you blocking exactly? Well, and then, and then if it's a physical book, right? People can just unbind a book with a little knife. And then you put in those <clears throat> scanning things like, uh, how do you call those? You know, the, the feeders, right? Yeah. You put in those and... Even a slow one will take about two hours to do 90 pages. And I'm talking the really slow ones. Then you throw it in the, you know, Abby Fine Reader. And of course, blind, but you see, blind people can't do that. Because you throw it in the Abby Fine Reader. And then the, the quote unquote gibberish, when it doesn't know for sure what word that is, it gives you a bubble. And that bubble, unfortunately, we cannot, well, at least I don't know. In the past four years, but until four years ago, I wasn't be I wasn't able to use Abby Fine Reader to choose the correct word because it's kind of like a little floating image that shows up, and then you choose what word is the one. It gives like an option, like maybe you know a few options of what that part, what word that could be. It gives you like you know we think it might be you know I don't know house or horse or uh, harness, right? And then with the mouse, you go and click, and then it does that. So the blind person, even if they went, scan, and passed it through a fine reader, they wouldn't be able to fully edit. So you're depending on somebody else. But anybody sighted can go and do that and copy a book and last than, let's say, five hours if they're really, really slow. Right. So who, who are you blocking here? You're just really blocking the blind person because we would have a heck of a time to be able to do the whole thing and we wouldn't be able to go through the, you know, actually get a final product. So we're reading a scan document that has lots of gibberish in it and we have to guess a lot. So why? I don't get it. Yeah, and I don't think anybody who's, well, I don't know pretty much nobody who is creating these PDFs who's making them protected or, or, or doing these things to them are doing it because they don't want blind people that have easy people, access to it. They don't want that. They're thinking of people, you know, who are going to maybe try to repost it as their own. But if people who really want to do that have 
means to do that, as we've kind of emphasized here. The same thing happened with the music industry back when people were buying uh, music from online stores like iTunes. iTunes put uh, copyright protection into their songs. It was directed by the studios to do that, so that if you bought a song and downloaded it from iTunes, it would only play on devices that it knew you had a license to, whether it's an iPod or an iPhone or a computer. But the deal was it's music. You can listen to it. It's also on the computer. People made software that would strip the uh, the copyright protection on it. People would just play it on a speaker and record it in another speaker. The people who wanted to steal it had no problem doing that. People, no issue. But someone who bought a song, uh, you know, five years ago and then forgot their password and then wants to be able to play it on a different computer or a different device that didn't exist when that copyright existed were restricted. And they bought that soft, they bought that song. They, they own that song. And so the only people they were really inconveniencing were these maybe not as tech savvy consumers uh, who didn't know how to do all these you know, sneaky workarounds and so forth. They were just trying to use their music the way that it was designed to be used. And I kind of feel there's a bit of a parallel here. I know it's a bit different and these documents are more than just the text. And I think if it's a beautiful piece of art, you don't want people to recreate it. I know you want to protect it, but I just don't think you're getting the protection you think you are. And I think it is adversely affecting some users you might not be aware of. Yeah. And I mean, this is, it's, you know, it's a complicated uh, topic. I know that I know PDFs also make uh, the life of translators you know, difficult because a lot of times people send them the PDF. They don't have the original scan of the original text or whatever. And then, you know, and then they, they also had to break in through uh, PDFs. So they're able to, hello there. This is my guide dog, guys, Jarvis. He's wanting to be on the show. Um, and yes, so, uh, you know, I think that, that, that's a problem because I found several, uh, articles on that, on people that do translation that needed to get to, you know, to the text, the original text so that they could copy and then they could, uh, translate it or run into some translation, uh, software so that they can just do the, you know, the, the, the part that it doesn't get right. It gives them a little bit of, makes their job a little faster, but yeah, unfortunately, it does inconvenience a lot of people and, and everybody just jumps on the PDF wagon. Uh, PDFs were developed to keep the formatting, you know, especially the design part of it. So it looks like you want it to look uh, for flyers and all that. But now we're getting to uh, an age where PDF is king. And, and I'm sorry, I don't think he's uh, fit to rule. <laughs> <laughs> so that became a whole topic it did right <laughs> well it's dear to my heart <laughs> as you know <laughs> so another full disclosure to the audience today we didn't have a outline to specifically go through we had some ideas and things to talk about and uh i'm glad we got into that pdf one because that was that was not planned and i think it was uh, an important topic See what I'm telling you? When it's not planned, when you wing it, sometimes it's better. <laughs> and full disclosure here, guys, I'm a winger and Jonathan is a prepared guy, which I really appreciate. I wouldn't be able to <laughs> do anything without him. 
Yeah, I think after everyone heard me freak out over the intro not going like in a perfectly formatted way, I think people are probably catching on to that. All right. Well, that's that's still going to bug me when I go back and I, and I clean this up and, and do a little bit of editing before we post it. I'm going to listen to that and I'm going to be like, oh, cold open. What were you thinking? So I I listened to this podcast called uh, I think uh, Profit First, and it's hilarious because they always open with some, uh, you know, ridiculous chit-chatting, and it's very fun. I I love it. So come on, guys, you gotta tell us if you love it or not. <laughs> yeah, I listen to a podcast from time to time, uh, just called the Talk Show with John Gruber, and he just kind of hits the report button and goes. And I was like, well, look how bold and independent he is. And then I think back and I go. Yeah, that comes off a little bit. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to insult it, but it comes off a little bit, um, a little bit too casual. Plus, he already has a huge audience, and then also he only has like a three out of five star rating because people don't like the way he intros. And I was like, oh, maybe really? that, maybe that's not the best role model. I do. <laughs> well, I do we'll love see. that pod. I do love John Gruber though, and uh, he's okay. at daringfireball.net if you want to uh, read more about him. He's the, the markdown guy. He is the markdown guy, and he also believes in simple HTML, like uncomplicated, simple HTML. Even the ads he runs are just text. He doesn't use a lot of, he doesn't use, I don't think his page uses images at all. See, he's an accessible guy. <laughs> and that, and well, the only reason why he's accessible, well, maybe not the, the only reason's not maybe a little bit too right. one, specific, uh, one, of one of the reasons one of the why reasons why he's so accessible by accident is he's obsessed with good design oh, oh but that's what i say all the time you know when people say oh yeah but design and it's we have to look and for the blind person it's complicated i'm like uh-uh if you have good design it works for everyone you know speaking of podcasts um, there's been a, okay, this is a bad segue because I changed my mind at what I want to segue to. I was going to ask you what other podcasts you listen to that you think the audience might be interested <laughs> no, no, in. Let me no, no, let me jump in then. Here, I'll segue for you because I said that John Groover is the um, markdown guy. And I think that's a very, very important topic for, uh, at least for our blind listeners. Because um, Markdown, for people that doesn't know, it's a way to write HTML, but without having to know HTML. And I use it all the time. Jonathan uses it, and we know a handful of other people that uses this too. So it's a very, very awesome, fast way for you to um, format your, your um, you know, what do you call it? your document. And then you can actually output it into HTML. So for you aspiring bloggers or already bloggers out there, you can write a markdown. And so like when you want a heading, number one, you just put a number sign space and then whatever you would write on your heading. And then if you want bullets, you put a little dash space and then. So it goes like that and you're just writing it as you go. And then when you're done, you can view that. Uh, and you can copy as it is, or you can copy the HTML 
and put it on your WordPress or whatever your blog platform is, and you have a nice, beautiful, um, well-formatted uh, text without a lot of fuss and without having to run by a sighted person. And we can but do that, a, a whole episode on Markdown because there's a lot of kind of ins and, and outs to that. But yeah. I, I do want to add one thing is that if you do want to write in Markdown, uh, you do need one of two things. You need a software program or a user interface that, that works with it uh, so that you can type like uh, on, I use Byword, I think on the Mac from time to time, or uh, there's a couple other programs you can get that are Markdown programs. And a lot of web interfaces like... Uh, uh, in WordPress, uh, there's support for it and in uh, a handful of software programs. Because basically, you use this shorthand, these number signs, these dashes, and uh, you use the, uh, the number sign, number sign et cetera, <laughs> to, to basically say, I want this to be a heading. I want this to be bold. I want this to be a list. And then I want this to be a link. And then you use a, a, a compiler or the software compiles it in HTML for you so it puts all the right tags into it and so you do need to use a software to either convert your markdown into html or use a software program that supports markdown that will do that part for you and what's really nice is since you're getting like headings and lists correctly is that when a screen reader has to go through it uh, they can navigate by headings because you've marked all your headings but then if you don't like the design of your web page, you want to redesign your web page. You can just say, I want headings to be this size point font in this new font. And it goes through everything you've written. Since you've put all the HTML tags in correctly because you used Markdown, uh, it will change the look of your entire site instantly. So even if you're not thinking of screen readers, uh, which we would appreciate it if you would, but even if you're not- <laughs> Very much. <laughs> uh, from a design standpoint, it gives you a lot of flexibility when you want to make changes later. Yeah, and and I would say this is not just for blind bloggers, of course, but for any blogger, any designer, any because here's the deal. I get tired of going to websites where I look for a heading and there isn't a heading. But if a sighted person sees it, they think there's a heading because, you know, there is like a, I don't know, 24 font bold and it's uh you know looks bigger and also design wise it looks like there's a heading but in the html part there is no heading so what happens is people cannot navigate through your site fast because it's just visual and like jonathan says when you want to change something you actually have to go into the text and change one by one but if you tag all your thing properly with HTML, then when you want to change something, you just go and say, change all my headings to whatever, or change all my bullets to, from white bullets to little stars. And it happens in all your posts on everything. But if you don't do that, then you're going to have to manually do it over and over again. And it doesn't help screen readers. And this is something that really hits hits me because and i'm not going to throw any particular person under the bus here but rachel and i used to work together at a nonprofit. profit <laughs> somewhere and it, it, a great organization with great people and a lot of people were really good but occasionally we would have to do a presentation and collaborate with another co-worker and though the slides that we'd have to create because we created a lot of slideshows and we create some handouts and materials and 
different word processors and both um both slideshow programs like keynote or powerpoint support these things called master slides it's the same concept uh basically on web, web as a web page where you have like headers and lists and proper forms and so forth these these master slides say hey these slides here you know the title the text is this big in this size and in this position and the main body text is here and it's this size point font and when we do a bullets the bullets look like this they're big thick bullets or they're thin bullets whatever the design whatever design makes sense and when you want to go and change the look of your slides if you use the master slide template if you use the headings formats and the list formats then you can change the entire slideshow all at once or when you create a new slide, that new slide or new page of your document kind of matches that same formatting. Well, we had a lot of people, we were redoing a lot of presentations. And so we'd <laughs> open up the old PowerPoint and I'd go to make a change and I would change, I would go into the master slide and I would change the font size because I want a big, thick, bold font for that because we're going to be projecting this on a small screen and I want to make sure it's nice and big so people can see it. Um, from all the way from the back. Yeah, you mean on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. or, or I mean, <laughs> if, if I've got, like, because sometimes the rooms we were in, they did not have big areas to project on. So the, the actual size of the projection would be small. And I'd be like, okay, oh. well, the font needs to be bigger. Because gotcha, gotcha. this, you know, if you're projecting on a giant, you know, wall size projector, then you can go a little bit smaller because right. it's going to be magnified up, put up on the screen. And so I would go in and I would go into the master slide and... I would change the font size and then I would go in, I'd look at the old slides and nothing <laughs> changed. Yeah, because they didn't use the master slide and they were all, and then you had to go into one by one. Every single slide, every single heading, I had to manually change. Now, in addition to this being a big pain design-wise, also, if you were to try to approach this with a screen reader, there's no inconsistency with the design of where the t font is. And, you know, you have to check the formatting of every single letter to see, is this the heading? Well, uh, yes. I have to see, is it big font or is it little font? <laughs> yes. Well, and that's what I run into. So that's why I usually had you check all my slides before. Because sometimes I would pick up a template, right, that somebody else used. And I said, okay, I'm just going to modify and add some, uh, you know, uh, delete some slides put some new ones, et cetera, et cetera. So if they had used the master slide, I could trust that when I hit new slide, I would follow the same format as all the other ones. But unfortunately, because people didn't follow the master slides, when I did that, I would get a new slide that it was totally different from you know, all the rest. And then, and then my presentation would look like a crazy thing if I didn't have anybody to help me out. Now, this did not happen with every single slideshow. It did not work happen with every single document, but it happened enough that it kind of drove me crazy. And <laughs> we did eventually discuss it with the group and create a master, slide. a master slide. But of course, that didn't apply to all the legacy presentations. We were redoing things from slides and pulling things out of other presentations. So, you know, it takes a while, even if you're making that correction, if you've got years of backlog that you've been doing it the other way. Uh, it can take a long time to get everything that's in 
in the loop everything that you're presenting up to date again. And so it's yes. best to do it right the first time. It's best to keep accessibility in mind when you start. It's best to use good design from day one. Amen. Like my design professor advisor would say, design is design is design. You gotta keep it on your mind. He was a he was a real poet. <laughs> well, you gotta keep it in your mind. I put that in there, but he <laughs> and used to does when he used to say that, like used to look like, huh? <laughs> that just reminds me. I had a I had a guy I used to work with. Uh, I used so more disclosure to everyone. I I used to be a magician. I used to do magic shows. <laughs> And I had a guy who helped me build a couple of props. I haven't done hey, it in a long time. But you used to? Or I thought once a magician, always a magician. If you go in my basement, I've got a straitjacket. I've got uh, pieces from a saw lady in half trick that I used to do. Or saw a person in half. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'll saw anybody in half. Uh, <laughs> not just the ladies? Not just the ladies. <laughs> I've got old uh, old kids' magic tricks. I've got a, a whole variety of stuff in the basement. And He's a really good magician, guys. I've seen him at it. <laughs> okay, but sorry, I interrupted. So you had a guy that helped you do props. Yeah, I'll do props. I appreciate you helping me stay on track while I ramble. <laughs> no, I put you out of it. So. <laughs> All right. So he, he used to have a saying that I used to love. Uh, and I feel like this does apply to people with disabilities quite well, is that help isn't help unless it's helpful. <laughs> Very true. Very true. And I think about that a lot. I hear a lot of stories about people getting help from people that is not helpful because they don't ask, can I help you or how can I help you? They just go, I'm going to do this because I'm so helpful. Oh, no, that person's walking no. in a direction. I don't know if they need to work on that. I'm going to grab them by the shoulders and turn them unexpectedly. <laughs> okay, that reminds me. Uh, last time I went to go get uh, Jarvis, my new guide dog. Well, he's not so new, but well, my my current. Um, we had, let's see. I think five of us hit the airport within an hour. So two blind People, you know, had uh, went with one trainer and uh, two other people went with the other trainer. And because I'm an old timer, the uh, trainer asked me if I could just follow them. And I said, yes, of course. So I'm following the person with my cane right? because I don't have my dog yet. And I just arrived and we're in, uh, I think, JFK. So we crossed the you know, we're, we're crossing the first, you know, when you get out of the airport, they usually like some lanes, right, for you to cross. So I crossed the first lane and we went on and we turned and went somewhere. And then I'm crossing another lane right behind uh, the trainers. And this guy out of the blue, I think his maintenance or something, he just grabbed my arm, like my upper arm, not, you know, if it's even like below my elbow, it's not so bad. But if you're grabbing somewhere between my elbow and my shoulder, you can easily throw me out of balance because, you know, it, it, like I, I wouldn't be able to move my shoulder to compensate. He grabs me out of, like on my arm and then starts marching me across the street. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, he didn't speak English. He spoke only Spanish. So um, he didn't know I spoke Spanish. So he didn't say anything. He just grabbed me and started marching me. <laughs> 
So, and then the trainer looks back and she's horrified and she said something to him and he didn't understand. And um, yeah, so it's funny. And uh, and then I just told him in Spanish, I said, hey, I'm okay. Thank you very much. Please let me go now. But I mean, if I wasn't used to it, it's scary, you know, you might think somebody's just about to adopt you and throw you in a van or something. <laughs> I know there's people out there and their personality types is they are a helpful person, right? They see something going on and they think that they can help or contribute and they want to jump right in and they want to help. And that's, I I love that that place they're coming from. It's a great place. But first of all, don't grab somebody unexpectedly unless unless they're about to step off of a cliff. <laughs> well, but then you don't grab their arm. Then you're just gonna put like you grab their waist, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might accidentally if they're walking along a cliff face and you grab their arm unexpectedly and surprise them, you might push them over the edge. Yes. Then then you have to like go around and grab their waist and pull them back. <laughs> and, and sometimes people have have asked or talked to me and said like, oh, so what's the what's the right way to like help a, a blind person and i go well there's every person's different every person's situation every person's mobility strategy and confidence everybody's personal preferences everyone's vision even if they're legally blind could be all over the place so what you do is you ask you use your words first you go yeah, you say, hey, can i help you can i help you or, yeah. yeah or or even or even if uh or just say something like i said about the bike you know the girl that came she was coming out of the trail and we were passing and she shoved her bike on top of my dog and um and you know she could have told me watch out like on your right or on your left or you know like before we hit she could have said something that could have given me enough info to react and uh and and i think that that's it it's it's really about communicating guys it's and communication goes a long way it's not just with disability but with anything in life and uh you know it's really about asking and i mean this guy understand because there was two cars coming really fast right the one in the airport and there was some construction going on so he just jumped out of whatever he was doing he came running kind of like you know to save me, but he didn't realize that I have the ability to listen. And I know that, you know, I mean, if it was a, for example, a deaf blind person, what he did would have been very useful because there was two really fast approaching cars. And, uh, you know, I, I ran, so he grabbed me kind of in the middle run of the, you know, as I was crossing, but other people could have benefited from it so i'm not saying just don't help we can't assume that everybody is the same but communicating is very helpful and not everyone wants to be helped in the same way so in addition to can i help you it's important to say how like how how would you like me to help you or how can i help you because some people maybe don't have as much mobility confidence and, and they want an arm to guide them some people just like oh can you let me know if it's clear or everyone's got a preference everybody or yeah. someone might just say uh i appreciate the offer but i'd like to do this myself or i can do this myself i can listen i know when the when the coast is clear i have that confidence and i i want to do it myself because i don't know you and you're a stranger and i believe in myself you know so yeah. everybody's at a different place maybe even at different points in their life and so it's important to just ask how you can help that person if you, if uh, if that person even wants help to begin with. Yeah, I think it's just that um, I think I, I really think this is my opinion alone. 
I think that what happens is, especially in blindness, right? I mean, I think that this happens with all kinds of disabilities, but I think especially in blindness, people think that because you're blind, somehow you have reduced cognitive abilities. And they think your cognitive ability is of a three-year-old, right? So yes, a three-year-old is crossing the street and maybe a car is coming really fast and a three-year-old will not think about, oh, this car could hit me. Right. So people come from that standpoint and then just run and grab the blind person instead of saying, hey, like that maybe there wasn't that much danger or uh, maybe the car is not a good example. But let's say like there's a, a step, a step down. I'm walking on a building and there is a step down and I have my cane. Right. If it's a two year old or three year old. Right. And there is a step. They're not very good at going down the step yet. So you will come running and grab the kid, right? And not let them go down the step. But if you're blind and you have your cane, you should know how to identify a step. And instead of asking, hey, do you need a help? Or saying, hey, there's a step there. You know, okay, good, good heads up. But you don't grab me all of a sudden because there is a step. I am not a three-year-old. I am fully capable with two master's degrees, I think I can figure out a step and that's not the same level of danger. Like a step down is not the same level of danger for me as it is for a three-year-old. So I think that's where I believe that the biggest problems come. If it is a true danger, yes, I want you to grab me. If I'm going to fall on the tracks of the subway, heck yeah, please grab me by all means. But if I'm just gonna go inside the subway right? The train is right there, the door open. I do not need you to lift me into the train. And, and I think that's kind of, and believe me, it has happened. And I'm a, I'm a big woman, but some people do that. Kind of like if I was a three-year-old trying to lift me into the train. That's <laughs> okay. Hello. <laughs> so I think it's great to want to help. And, and I think help should be always given, always offered. But if you are, you know, just check on what are you thinking about the capabilities of the other person. And just think about if you go into a store, because I worked at an Apple store, you know, I think it was like eight years ago now. And we had a policy of whenever everybody walked in, we asked them if they needed help. And then we would check back in occasionally and walk around. And I had a lot of customers go that complain actually because they would come in they someone come and be like do you need any help and they would be like no i'm okay i'm gonna look around and they'd go to a different section and someone would stop and say oh hi do you need help with the speakers and they're like no i'm i'm, I'm just looking and they walk to a different section so oh do, do you need help with the with, with the max over here <laughs> and just imagine if, if someone is stopping you every five minutes with the best of intentions asking for help it can be a little bit irritating after a while. And if you approach somebody and offer help, like someone who's blind or in a wheelchair, and you are number 16 of today, they might be a little bit less than patient. So please forgive them too. Yeah, exactly. It's not your fault. It's great to be helpful. But mine is usually the 40th, you know. If you're the 40th one being helpful that I do not want help that day, I might just be a little bit of the mean, crazy blind lady and say, no, thanks. So for I have a lot of customers I work with and they feel bad because something like this will happen. They get impatient 
and that's that pers- first person's first interaction. They haven't interacted with the blind person before, or haven't interacted with the person with a disability, and that person comes back and goes, no, I'm fine. Give them a break. You might have been one of like a mountain of requests, and they are doing a great job on their own, and, and you're kind of butting in, even though your intentions are good. So I'm not saying don't offer help. I'm just saying if you do offer help and someone comes back a little bit upset, you understand where they're coming from. Exactly. It's not like they weren't crazy and then just me and hate you. It's nothing like that. It's just some days, you know, like if everybody stopped and asked me, can I pet your dog? Like, you know, 10 times in a space of an hour, I am going to snap at a 10th person and say, it's not a petting zoo. I believe we call those uh, microaggressions. Because <laughs> it's the same thing of someone who uh, may- maybe... I'll give an example. Uh, you might have somebody who is born in America, is maybe even their second generation. Uh, they have a darker color skin, and a bunch of people ask them where they're from, and you're like, "You have got to be kidding me!" And after a couple times, you like, you're like, "Yeah, I'm from Detroit or whatever," and and, and you can be kind. You can be like, "Okay, well, it's kind of annoying that didn't assume that I'm from here. It's kind of a, it's kind of annoying to have to like explain my identity." through my race it's it but you get you go like okay well no, i don't I, want I, people to get upset uh, you know i have the perfect true story for this uh, i have a friend he's from india he's sick i mean but he's in the u.s since he's one years old so i mean he doesn't have an accent he's but he dresses like a sick so he has a turban and stuff he came into you know school like we went to college together so he got in school and they sent him to the Applied English Center, which is like the center where all international students have to go and, you know, and prove that they have their TOEFL, which is like this uh, English test that you take before you come. And, and depending upon how much points you have in it, you are you kind of like clear to go take classes or you have to take some English classes before you're clear to, for your regular schedule. And um, <laughs> and he kept trying to explain to them in a perfect American accent with American high school transcripts and I kept telling him to go to this you know place to get cleared out just because and he's an American citizen and he's you know that's all he's ever known and um, so just because he looks different you know so we used to laugh a lot about things like that I would tell him like hey where you from just to mess around but yeah it's uh that's a true story and so. when you have to deal with this like this is part of you that's going to be outward is way that people are like looking and, and judging and making decisions and you've got to correct them it gets tired to be the you know the accessibility police and have to explain to somebody you know how you'd like to be interacted with or how they should interact with a person or explain to other person like no just because i look like this i'm an american i'm from here this is my experience we are a country of immigrants you know it's hard to take that moment to like educate that person it's hard to be that police and they have to be like policing that it's not your job to have to police the world and 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 as an individual to educate every person you run into. So eventually you're going to get tired and you're going to get upset and someone's going to say something that's going to set you off. And so if you go to somebody who's blind and you offer help in the nicest way and they come off and they go, no, I'm fine. Um, this might've been, you know, that straw that broke the Campbell's back. Don't take it personally. Now, come on. We do got to do full disclosure. There are 
blind people that are a-holes and if you run into them well that's just what happens <laughs> that's a good point because there's not a and this, this is what we've been this is sort of the, the the main thesis here is there's not a type of x person there's not a type of blind person there's not a type of person with cerebral palsy there's not a type of person who's in a wheelchair or not a type of amputee everybody's different and they can be good people they can be bad people they can be nice they be, can be kind they can be mean they can be impatient they're just people they're like everybody else yeah well it's what i always say when i give my uh you know marketing or design i want to jump in i just said something i want to recorrect i said it's like they're everyone else. They are everyone else. I just want to correct that. I, I was like, what? Like You're everyone so else? politically correct. All right. Yeah. Um, I, know, I just heard that. I was like, yeah. like? What if people, people are going to hear them like, oh, Jonathan says we're like other people, but we're not other people. No. It's like they're, they're just everybody. They are everybody else. Okay, <laughs> so, I just I just heard that and I know I know you didn't think of it but I was horrified. I, I was horrified that I put it that way. I'm not like everybody else. I am special. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? Like I'm like this moth of the world. The rest are like everybody. No, I'm just kidding. All right, yeah, people. Um, but <laughs> what I wanted to say is actually that um it's, you know, uh, disability is not a market segment. Like a lot of people do, you know, it's like, oh, why don't you do something for blind people? Why don't you do something for wheelchair people? Why don't you do so? You know what I'm saying? Like having a disability doesn't make you part of a market segment, like we're saying in, in, in business. It's, you know, uh, if you're making a product, like, I don't know, like my Mac, you know, it's I can use it, and and a gazillion other people can use it, and and it's not just made for, like you know, a segment of disability because disability is not who you are. Disability is just something you have, just like you know, people. Some people have different characteristics, and disability creates a set of traits that you have to deal with. But that's all it is, and. And it's perfectly fine when you sometimes, you know, are nasty to somebody that's nice because you're really tired. Just forgive yourself, move on. Know that that person hopefully didn't take it personal and you keep going and try to be nice. Everyone should be entitled to define their own, define themselves. And like you said, with a disability, that doesn't mean it's a definition. Some people might be like, I am blind. Yeah. And like, that's a big part of their identity. Some people might be you know i'm an artist you know that's not necessarily their identity is not necessarily linked to their physical ability so i am blind and i am a podcaster and a designer who cares <laughs> and a designer and a bunch of other things because i'm so awesome no i'm just kidding all right yeah so Hey, I think we chit-chatted for like an hour. We did. We're coming up on an hour. This is actually one of the longer episodes. So maybe we should start without topics more often. We'll have a longer conversation. Well, I, I, I do have a couple of things prepared for our, our next episode that I, I would like to talk about. But I think this came out really good. Yeah, I think so, too. So you let us know if you like uh, joining our conversation. And who knows? You know, maybe we could do like one day we do a 
conversation pod, and someday we can do a informational pod. Yeah, and if you like this format, just uh, just email us at feedback at access ninja and just uh, put in the subject "relax, Jonathan." <laughs> yeah, relax, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, this <clears throat> awesome conversation was brought to you by Human Decency. So, oh, and that just reminds me. Before we go out, one more one more thing. Uh, we made <laughs> two adjustments to the access. Uh, ninja webpage that's access.ninja uh, two things that uh, were added were if you are listening to the podcast on the webpage or on soundcloud or one of these other places but you want to listen to it uh, on the apple podcasting app uh, and you want to know how's the best way to get to it first of all if you uh, have an iphone you can just ask siri to play the access ninja podcast but if you go to our webpage uh, there actually is a link on the main page at access.ninja to uh to our podcast on apple's podcast uh it's in the sidebar and if you're a screen reader user when you first load up the page there's going to be an actual link at the top that will be skipped the sidebar otherwise when you start navigating through access ninja it takes you straight to the episodes and i didn't want to put the link before that because then every time someone loads the web page they're going to have the subscribe podcast that's obnoxious so it's in the sidebar there's a sidebar link uh and if you're cited you'll just see it's on the right hand side and then also, if you want to be notified when we have new episodes or we type in new th blog posts on the page, there's also a uh, email sign up you can do. And it's got a, a form field on the page. So if you're a screen reader, you can actually navigate by form fields if that's the way you prefer. It's in the sidebar right after the podcast link. Now, it asks for email, first name, and last name, but we only need your email. So if you're shy and you don't want to give us your name, that is just fine. And then after you put it in your name, before the uh, submit to the list, there's a little radio button, and it lets you choose if you want to receive an HTML-formatted uh, podcast, I mean, a newsletter. Uh, but if you're not super confident with HTML or you want something really simple, there's another radio button that says plain text. We'll just send you a plain text version of it. So you can get it in your preferred format. And that's because Jonathan is awesome. So I think we'll close this up. Thanks for joining us on the Access Ninja podcast. We've said it a couple times already, but if you want to write to us, send us an email at feedback at access.ninja. There's no .com. Just feedback at access ninja thanks for joining us have an awesome week everyone all right and be good to each other and be patient and be kind